Amen. How many of you are ready for something from the Word today? You know, I love to come. I love to preach. I love to share when God really drops something on my heart. And the Lord really dropped something on my heart today. And I have this announcement. It's really nothing really big. But the Lord just impressed on me to tell New Life it's time to come out of hiding. Amen. It's time to... How many of you, how many of you have heard in the news, and I, I, it's kind of a, actually pathetic, where everybody seems to be coming out. Have, have you noticed that? It's a, it's a pretty obvious... I mean, we're all, everybody's coming out. In fact, uh, I, I don't want to deal with that, but I, I just think that this, this whole new movement in our nation, everybody's... And they, they always kind of praise them and give them adoration. Oh, guess who's coming out? And uh, when I hear about what they're coming out into and what they're deciding to let the whole world know, have you noticed that they're really proud about what they're coming out into? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I on another planet here? Uh, When people are... You know, the Lord impressed on me. He says... it wasn't, I'm not saying that actually out of a reaction because I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Judges chapter 6. I want to take you into the life of Gideon this morning. I'm speaking to you on a series on living faith. And uh, the Lord uh, impressed on me that it's time for you and me to come out. Amen. It's time for you and me to arise and shine. And it's, it's time for you to realize what you really have inside of you. When Jesus told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power, He didn't say you don't put a light under a bushel, but what do you do with a light? You set it out for everybody to see it. And he, when you set it out for everybody to see it, uh, because there's something about the light that is in you that is very attractive. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, do you know how attractive you are today? Come on now, come on now. You are beautiful, beautiful and you are wonderfully made and you are very attractive. My Bible says that Jesus said, not only He, but He also said, you are the light of the world. You have light. There's something inside of you that is connected with glory, that is connected with abundant life. There is demons in hell that are threatened, they are afraid with any believer, any Christian who really begins to rise up and to begin to understand who they are. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to stop running and hiding. It's time to stop being so shy and using shyness as some kind of well, pastor, you know, I'm not some kind of a car salesman type person. I'm not a community. I'm an introvert. Well, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was to take your timid nature and to literally allow your light, the power of God's glory, His love, His beauty, His presence, His greatness to shine through you. That's what it's all about. And he said, tell new life, it's time to come out of hiding. Because what he has put within you is worth shining. Amen? Amen. You see, God wants you to understand that you really do have something to say. You really have power to break down and remove mountains. You, You really have the wisdom of God. Because as you abide in Him and He abides in you, what did Jesus say, John 15? He said, nothing shall be impossible to you. Everyone say nothing. Nothing. You see, excuses are not in the vocabulary of a believer. The words, I can't, are foreign to a believer. And and, and and Jesus expects you to take cities. He expects us to affect and bring an influence. He expects us to come out of hiding. Now, I want you to see something here. Judges, and I'm going to move really quick because my time is gone and 
The Lord's been moving this morning, and I believe the Lord wants to bring an anointing. He's going to break some yokes. He's going to set people free. He's going to loose. There's going to be some loosening today. There's some, some this morning I just sense in my spirit right now, you've been bound by the spirit of fear for so long, and you've actually talked yourself into a hole. You've talked yourself right out of being used of God. Some of you have even talked, out, you're t- talked yourself out of the very prophetic words that God's given you. God's given you some dreams. How many here have ever received a dream, a promise from God, a word? Amen. A prophecy. And some of us, as soon as we receive the word, all of a sudden, do you know as soon as the word of God begins to go forth, in fact, right now, even right now, and in Jesus' name, I rebuke every demonic power and every lie of the enemy, even right now, do you know that the devil comes to church? And he sits right behind your shoulder. And while I'm speaking the word, the devil is saying to some of you, don't believe him. Don't listen to him. You know, you know who he is. He's a preacher. And you know those preachers. Preachers, all they're interested is money, power, and women. Oh. I'm not kidding you. Those are lies of the enemy. You know, it's amazing. I'll never forget years ago when the the, the problem with Jimmy Swaggart and uh, Jim Baker, all those things that happened several years ago in the 90s, 80s, whenever it happened. Do you know that when those ministers, because they they were big wheels in the kingdom in a sense, it smeared all the other pastors. All of a sudden, congregations were coming to their churches on Sunday morning. Oh, I wonder... Oh, I wonder who my pastor's been sleeping with, if he's taken money out of the offering, if he's got... Oh, yeah, that's what happens. And it's amazing how many people believe those lies. I want to announce to you that there are many, many mighty men and women of God who have not bowed their knee to Baal. They have not compromised their integrity. And they love God, and they're walking in a way that is above reproach. And you need to... Put those lies out of your mind. I do believe that it's important. Paul says to know them which labor among you, and we need to test the fruit. That's important. But I want you to know, the devil comes to church. The devil does anything he can to stop you, to distract you, to keep you from hearing the living Word, which is going to set you on a course to break you, to bring you out of an impoverished mindset, and a mindset of poverty, a mindset of limited thinking, narrow-minded, small-minded thinking. The devil wants to keep the church quiet. The devil wants to keep the church weak. The, the devil wants to keep the church sad and bleak and, and religious and out of sync and out of relevancy with society. That's what the devil does. But in order for you to begin to be transformed, you must have a paradigm shift in your heart, in your mind, with a revelation that God wants to bring to you an understanding of what a new kind of normal is. Number one, it's not normal for Christians to go around somber and morbid and quiet and religious and dead. It is very normal for you to experience the joy and have victory. You are not a victim. You are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. God gave us powerful examples in Scripture. God took one solitary man by the name of Moses and even by Gideon and with one man brought an entire nation to its knees just to show what he could do with one man. Because God knew that when you begin to hear these stories throughout the centuries of time, many of you would say, well, that was them. Well, that was them. That God can't do that with me. Yes, he can. The Bible says that the Lord, Daniel, it says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro over all the earth. God's looking. He's always searching, trying to find just someone. If I can just find someone who will actually believe what I say. If I could just... Find someone who will really take what I say and really embrace the truth of it in my heart. I can actually change cities. I can change cultures. I can turn an entire society around. If I could just find one righteous. 
And here we find it in the book of uh, Judges. And I don't need to give you a whole synopsis on Judges, but I call it the, the yo-yo book of the Old Testament. Because Israel, was their life was a yo-yo. They were always up and down, in and out. They were right with God in one season of their life, then no sooner than the deliverer or the judge or the prophet of God was off the scene, Israel went right back into the toilet and they started backsliding and they'd been eaten out of the sewer. And all of a sudden they would, they, they would lose their sight. They would fall short. And, and they, they, they allowed the enemy to define their identity. Do you know why the devil doesn't want you to hear the Word of God? Because he does not want you to understand the powerful identity you have in Christ. He doesn't want you to actually believe that your sins are forgiven. That you've been seated with Christ in the heavenly place. He doesn't want you to know that you've been blessed above all things in heavenly places. He doesn't want you to know that you've been seated, given the keys of the kingdom. You have the power to shut the gates of hell. You actually... You know, one time I, I actually saw this happen. I, I got to tell you something. I remember when I was a teenager, my mom and dad were actually having a big argument, big fight. And they're really going at it. I know my mother wouldn't want to say this, but actually this has happened with Carol and I. Having a disagreement. It wasn't a disagreement. We were having a fight. Now, we weren't throwing fists, but we were arguing. We were disagreeing. But I remember my mother at this one time. My mom and dad were arguing. I mean, in the, the, the heat of the battle, going back and forth. All of a sudden, my mother stopped and started speaking in tongues. And I'll never forget. I mean, because it was, it was an oppressive, heated atmosphere. And my brother and I were shaking. My mom and dad are fighting. And all of a sudden, my mother starts talking in tongues. Out of the blue. I mean, there was no anointing there. There was no music playing. She just started talking in tongues. You would not believe what happened. All of a sudden, the atmosphere changed. The argument stopped. Dad walked out of the room, and Mom just fell on her starburst. She said, God, come into this house. Lord, come into this home. Lord, just a, f f a fire again revival in our marriage and our home. Lord, turn our captivity, Lord. Lord, help us to see what we can't see in the natural. Lord, open our... And I remember my mom. And it really affected me. That right in the midst of battle, do you know you can come and start worshiping God and you can stop the power of the enemy? Now some of you think, well, pastor, that sounds sacrilegious to me. I mean, I mean, how can you be cussing one minute and start praising the God the next minute? Do you know God gives you the liberty to do that? He wants you to know it's okay to look the devil right down his eyeballs and his nose and say, devil, enough is enough. You've had enough. And when you begin to give God, do you know that's the purpose of praise? Some of you thought that praise and worship was just for a synagogue, a church, and well, what's one, we're all anointed, and the music's playing, and we feel anointed, and we're, we're getting a holy buzz, and well, now it's time to work. No, the purpose of worship is for warfare. When you begin to praise God right in the face, you may be weak, you might have sinned. You might have fallen off the wagon this morning. When you begin to give God praise, my Bible says, let God arise. His enemies will scatter. I mean, that's what we're doing. Well, see, that's what we're doing when we talk about coming out of hide. We're coming to apprehend. We're coming to take hold. We are coming to seize the moment. Everyone say, seize the moment. We're going to seize the moment. Amen. I know what I'm saying right here is ringing a bell with somebody. I know it's ringing a bell somewhere, somehow. Somebody's saying, you know, Pastor Ray, well, I've just kind of been kind of a spiritually adrift in my life. Well, this word is for you today. God is saying, I am coming this morning to put my hand upon your life to apprehend you for a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There will be no other path that will cause satisfaction in the things of your past and the problems and the issues and the excuses and the vices and the addictions. The Lord this morning, by the power of His Spirit, has broken every yoke and you are now a free woman, a free man. He's called you. He's set you on high. He's 
He's put a weapon in your hand. He's put wisdom in your mouth. And all you have to do is begin to move forward, declare it, possess the land, take out the enemy, and see God get the glory for it. That's what He's called you to do. Pastor, you're just a little excited. No, I'm coming out of hiding. I'm tired of hearing all the enemies, people, tired of hearing how the enemy, so many Christians sit by the wayside and they look at the world and they admire the world. So many of our young people admire Hollywood. You know, you know, you know it just blew me away. I, I don't watch it anymore. My wife and I, we used to love it. Actually, we, look, we used to watch it quite a bit because it's so humorous. We, we used to watch American Idol. We don't watch it. But I, I love to watch American Idol because you, you got all these wannabes that want to be a, you know, a singer and they get up and they can't even sing or squat, you know, and they, they try to sing, but, and, and they really think they're, they're God's gift to Hollywood, you know, and they, they want to sing. Anyway, well, what, 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 what really hit me <clears throat> was a lot of these people that really go, go places. Do you know where they got their start? In a church. A lot of them got their start, oh yeah, years ago I used to do, do, do you know, uh, who was that lady that just passed away? She got her start. What was that? Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. Her mother used to take her to church. She got her start. And she, gifted woman. Satan loves to take the gift, use it to, en to enlarge the powers of darkness instead of the glory of God. And I'm not saying it's, it's a big sin to sing a, a, a love song. I'm not saying that. Whitney Houston had a powerful voice. She had a tremendous gift that God gave her. But my question is, what do we do with the gifts that God has given us? What are we doing with it? What do we do with our children when our kids are watching American Idol? Oh man, I want to be like that. I, I, want, I want to be like Britney Spears. I want to be a high one. Instead of saying, hey, kids, do you know God has a high calling on your life? And singing for his glory and using your gift to bring people into the kingdom to see them get saved is a far more meaningful, far greater, more rewarding thing you can do. If we were to pull back the veil and look at people that are in hell. I wonder if they would be taking their Grammys and their Oscars and they would say, give me, take my Grammys, take my Oscars, give me five more minutes to go back to planet Earth so I could commit my life to Jesus. Because all their accolades of this world means nothing. If it means, remember what Jesus said, what good if a man gained the whole world and he loses his soul. I mean, we, we, you know, it's so important that we convey and communicate values, the kind of kingdom values. But I, I don't think we ought to convey it in a way where we're holding hell over their head, and that's not what I'm trying to say here, to hold hell over people's head. If you don't sing for God, you're going to hell. I'm not, I don't want to say that. But I am saying that when God gives us gifts, when God begins to, begin to give us talents, isn't it amazing how our young people, and even us at times, are so pulled toward what Hollywood says. They somehow set the values. And, and I, as a Christian, Ray Gallagher, I choose to take a stand and protest what Hollywood says. I'm not going to follow Hollywood. I'm not going to follow what they say. They do not define my values and my future. They do not define what greatness is. In fact, I see more and more that what Hollywood takes ultimately destroys, crushes, and casts them to the curb when they're no longer pretty, good-looking, or they can't sing. 
But that's not what Jesus does with people. He beautifies. He, he makes your life. He enlarges. He gives, he gives grace. And he, he brings you from glory to glory. But here, in Judges, there was a man in hiding, running from the Midianites. Notice with me, John. I'm sorry, Judges chapter 16, verse 6. Judges 6, I'm sorry, Judges 6, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was Orpha, which belonged to Joash the Abedrazite, while his, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Notice this, he's hiding. He's scared, running. By the way, he's a child of God. Do you know that, that, that Gideon was also part of God's people, God, God's covenant people? And it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Everyone say, The Lord's with me. I want to say something to you. That in your most desperate time, God's trying to appear to you. In your most desperate time, when you think all hell's breaking, I want you to see what the Scripture said. The angel of the Lord appeared to him while he was trying to hide. In other words, while the devil's trying to intimidate, limit, and keep you down, God's going to appear. And when He appears, He's going to come and He's not going to say, you reprobate, you weakling, you slob. Boy, you sure can't represent the glory of God and think I won't use you. That's not what God said to Gideon. What does is, what is the angel of the Lord say? Hey, <laughs> mighty man of valor, you. You mighty man of valor. You see, God sees things in us that we don't even see. We, God sees greatness in us that we don't even see. <clears throat> and you know here, as the angel of the Lord is coming to Gideon, notice what happens. Here's the dilemma that Gideon has. As the angel of the Lord tells him, you mighty man, two things. God says, you're mighty. There's valor on your life and my presence is with you. And notice what Gideon says, but. Everyone say, but. <clears throat> How many of you have ever said, but to God? God is going to do something. But God, but, but, but God, you don't get it. There you go. And Gideon said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this all happened to us? And where are the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of the land? But now the Lord hath first taken us and delivered us into the hands of Midianites. Here he's complaining, saying, Woe is me. Everyone say, Woe is me. He's saying, Woe is me. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Everyone say this. I have it you have strength you have power he says go in this might of yours now Gideon didn't see it God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself let me say that again coming out of hiding means you're gonna have to start Coming into agreement with the fact that God sees greatness in me, I'm going to come into agreement with that. Now, in no way am I suggesting that we're going to be arrogant and start praising ourselves and saying, well, it's my strength. That No, no. no. We have no strength. We have no ability outside of His grace and, His, and outside of the Holy Spirit. But God has put His Holy Spirit inside of you in such a way that He wants that glory to personify the very greatness, the dynamics of His personality. Do you know that you have the ability to be a very attractive, to be a very friendly? You have the ability to be the kind of person that wins people. 
You may not be some real social butterfly, and you may not be able to be so popular, but God has given you gifts. And He recognizes something in you, and He's put something in you that you have to bring deliverance and healing to other people. God never deposits something in you just for your sake, just in you, just so you can go around and say, well, praise God, I'm great. I'm a great soul. I've got great talents. And I am just a great guy. Pastor Ray said. Pastor Ray said great. Why does he put greatness in you? Because he knows you're going to come against some great battles. Sometimes when you go to higher levels, you come to greater devils. But that doesn't mean that you're going to bow back. You're not going to whine back. Here Gideon is in an argument with God. He's arguing, but God, where are the miracles? Where's your present? We, we were looking for you, God, and all we get is defeat. I want you to jump back to Judges chapter 2. Put your finger in Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Why? Now, I didn't read the first 11 verses here. But in Judges chapter 2, really in one sense is a synopsis for the whole book of Judges. It says that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and they served Baal. And they forsook the Lord of the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. Everyone say all around. Do you know that there are Baal worshiping people all around. Let me tell you what Baal worship. It's all through the Old Testament. Baal worship. <clears throat> Baal, the word Baal is, a, is another Hebrew word. It means father or nurturer. But this is the point. When Israel got into Baal worship, the Baal, Baal worship in one sense from pagan nations, what they would do is that these foreign nations would begin to erect and fashion gods from their own imagination and from their own heart, and they would begin to erect these gods to worship them because they wanted these gods in whom they made to, be kind, to become the gods whereby the voices of spirits would channel their direction through. When you begin to worship something other, from, other than God, you actually begin to erect a channel by which spirits can begin to speak through those idols. When Israel was brought into the land, the book of Judges is, the, is a book whereby God brought Israel into the land, and it was the promised land. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 that when Israel came into the land... <clears throat> And they inherited the promise. It says this about the third generation. It says that they conquered the land, but they didn't wipe out all of the enemy. They didn't take them all out. And as a result of that, the Bible says that the people of the land, that means those that were around them, begin to influence them. And Israel, instead of Israel becoming the stronger influence, Israel allowed the people around them to introduce to Israel Baal worship. Baal worship, in one sense, involved all forms of worship in high places. These high places were groves. They were beautiful, beautiful park-like places. They were gardens. Now, they weren't filled with rose gardens, folks. They weren't filled with tulips and daffodils. These high places were filled with opium plants. They were filled with marijuana and pot. Oh, yes, the Bible is full of pot, marijuana, and heroin. Oh, you mean that's what they did in high places? Yes, high places. That's why they were so attractive. In fact, if you go through the book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, you'll find that the, one of the greatest stumbling blocks to the Israelites were these places called high places. Because it's where they got high. 
They got high. But it not only did they get high, it altered their minds. It altered their moods. It altered their direction. It altered the way they change, they think. It altered their value system. And these influences of these pagan people and uh, Gentile people, they, they didn't come with threats. They didn't have to threaten Israel. You know why? They wouldn't threaten Israel. Do you know why? Because when Israel came into the land under the leadership of Joshua, the Bible says from Jericho on, in Joshua chapter 1, in the last book of Deuteronomy, it says that all of the Canaanites realized that with this, this piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very dynamic of, of the Shekinah glory in the presence of God, it made Israel invincible. No nation could stand against them from a, from a military place. They couldn't fight them. No Canaanite. They, the Bible says that when, it, when, the, when, when uh, the people in... Uh, uh, oh, what's the name of the... The Jericho. Jericho. The walls of Jericho. When, when, when uh, uh, Rahab the harlot was talking to the spies that came in, she told the spies, it says, all the people of the land know about you guys. And our hearts have melted like wax at the thought of the mention of the children of Israel. See, the people of the land could not defeat Israel because of this thing called the presence of God, the Shekinah glory. But they got smart. When they come into the land, let's don't fight them, let's join them. And so the people of the land, they say, you know what, I'll tell you what, Israel, we can't fight you. But I'll tell you what, we'll pay you some taxes. We'll pay you some taxes. By the way, we just kind of want to mingle with you guys. We want to kind of get to know your God, Jehovah, too. Israel was stupid enough to believe him. Well, guess what happened? While they're worshiping Jehovah on their little Sabbath days, on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, they have their little rock concerts, too. They go to their high places. And by the way, do you know that in the Old Testament they had rock concerts? Oh, yeah. They had their rock concerts. In fact, you will find in the book of Psalms, or no, 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 no. It's, it's in the book of uh, Joshua. Remember when Israel went up into the, oh, no, I'm wrong. It was in the book of Exodus. When Israel went up into the mountain, Joshua went up with Moses, and they were, the Lord was speaking to Moses up in the mountain. And while they were up in the mountain, the Bible says, that Joshua says, I hear the sound of war. It was music. He said, I don't know. No, he said, I hear the sound of music. The children of And he says, no, it's not the sound of music. It's the sound of war. And he said, what? Israel got seduced with music. And with the music, through the influence of the music. How many of you know that Satan was the chief musician in heaven? God didn't take that gift away from him. But while he was in heaven, while Moses, I should say, and Joshua, they come down and Israel was in a trance while they're worshiping the golden calf. You'll find two things happening. Music and drugs. And they're worshiping, and thirdly, actually, sexual perversion. They gave themselves to sexual perversion. So when Israel came into the land, in the book of Judges, you'll find that the people of the land joined themselves because you'll find this in chapter 2, the Israelites did not destroy all of the enemy like God told them to through Moses. You, when you come into the land, you're to destroy them all. Don't let any of them live. But what happened? What happens when people kind of grow cold in their walk with God? All of a sudden we become tolerant. Everyone say tolerant. Hey, hey, chill, man. Hey, everything's beautiful in its own way. Hey, chill out, man. We don't have to get so radical about Jesus. Oh, that's okay. We can serve God and have our pot, have our little Led Zeppelin, and you know, get a little high. And then, of course, come to church on Jesus, too. Praise God. Get high two places. Amen? High in church and high in Led Zeppelin. Praise God. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, Israel becomes seduced. The people of the land begin to seduce the Israelites. 
It wasn't overnight. It was a slow, calculated influence to the point where all of a sudden, where Israel had become so codependent on the practices and the ways of the pagans around them, the people of the land, the Canaanites, begin to have dominion over the Israelites and begin to seduce them into idolatry, sexual perversion, and then eventually into codependent lifestyle where they begin to fall into these pits, these high places, which were pits. And so the Bible says, back in Judges 6, that God would allow the enemy to rule over the people of Israel. And that's what you have here in the Bible. It says here in Deuteronomy, or Judges, Judges chapter 2, let me just read this in Judges 2. It says, And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. By the way, that's sexual perversion. These were Ashtoreth poles. These, these were pornography pictures on poles, like totem poles. And it says, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so he delivered them into the hands of those who plundered and despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord said. And the Lord had sworn to them. <coughs> and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Now jump back with me into Judges chapter 6. The Bible says that when the Israelites at these low times, <clears throat> in fact, j jump down in verse 1 in chapter 6, actually. Jump down into uh, verse 3, chapter 6, verse 3. It says, So it was that whenever Israel would sow, the Mediites would come up, and the Amalekites would, from the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them, destroy the produce of their earth as far as the Gaza, and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet. I want you to listen to me. doesn't matter how far you've gone or how far low you've gone. Do you know that when you cry out to the Lord, God's going to hear you? I want you to hear me on this. doesn't matter where you've been. If you cry out to the Lord, God is going to send a prophet. And by the way, it may, now a prophet may not necessarily... A, be a prophet, sometimes the Lord may just send His, the Holy Spirit and speak to you in your heart. God may send to you a preacher. Some, some of you this morning may be hearing the, for the first time. You might be hearing a word from the Lord. You might have never heard a word like this before. And you may be in a place where you are in a real low place. I'm here to tell you, the Lord is bringing a word to you because He wants you to know there's better days ahead. God is here to let you know that there is a better quality of life for you ahead. And it says that when they cried out unto the Lord, when they cried unto the Lord, the Lord would send a prophet. Now, how many of you think that it might be a good idea that if God sends a prophet, I should listen to him? How many of you think that's just a good idea? I, I would hate to be, you know, I don't need to listen to no prophet. I don't know, what are they going to say? Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> God loves you enough he loves you and cares for you and me so much that He is going to bring people into your life that might speak a word of adjustment, but it's because He doesn't want you destroyed. The Bible says a fool will not, will not hear the reproof of, of wisdom. A fool cannot hear the reproof of wisdom. But I, I don't know about you. I, I want to hear. I want to hear what God has to say. For whom the Lord loves, He what? Corrects. Correction is healthy. I am so grateful that for the men that God has sent over my life. 
I remember one time years ago, I felt I had a right to be angry at my father-in-law. This was right after I got married to my wife, Carol, and we were married. and Because and, uh, my father-in-law, when I was courting my wife, he, he said, I, I'm not going to let you marry one. I, you are not the will of God for my daughter. And that crushed me. That hurt me. Well, eventually, Carol and I finally got married, and I said, yay, God. But what happened to me is that all of a sudden he decided to invite us over on the weekends and I chose to be busy. I chose to just be so busy that I didn't have time for Robin Johnson. And my wife began to pick up on this and says, Ray, you're avoiding my dad and mom, aren't you? I said, no, no, I'm just busy. Liar. I was lying. And I was in denial. Finally, Pastor Iverson, my pastor, came up to me and said, Ray, you need to go and visit your father-in-law. I said, Brother Dick, I'm I'm so busy. I'm working on Saturdays. I don't have time. And Brother Dick said, Ray, make time. I said, well, what do you mean make time? I said, you need to go see. You need to visit your father-in-law. It's a new day. You're married to Carol now. It's time to bury the hatchet, put away the sword. It's time to forgive and reconcile. Folks, I didn't do it right away. I chose to hang on to my anger and my bitterness, and I want to tell you, my soul was in the depths of hell. I had no peace because I felt I had a right. But until I said, yes, Lord, I surrender. Until I surrendered and I repented. In fact, I had to tell Robin Johnson, I said, Robin, I've had a lot of anger towards you. And the Lord wants me to just make it right with you. We hugged, we embraced. And you wouldn't believe what happened when I asked the Lord to forgive me. Two things happened. Number one, peace came back in my heart. Number two, prayers begin to get answered. I didn't know that hanging on to bitterness and being unforgiving and avoiding my enemy would cut off the favor of God. It did. And there's people today, well, you know what, I think I'll just change churches because I don't like this. Running doesn't help you. Guess what? If you go to the next church, God will bring somebody, different place, different faith, you get to go around the mountain all over again. It's best to stay there face the giant, deal with the problem, walk in humility, ask God for His grace and mercy to give you the strength to walk through it and move to a new level, move to greater blessing and favor and and, and prosperity in God. It's just the way to go. But when you run, you hide, you live in denial, and you just say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You're, You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself in a big way. God here deals with Israel. He sends a prophet. Thank God for prophets. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He he may not send the the prophet of God, but the Lord sends the Holy Spirit today. And the Holy Spirit, and notice what He says. It came to pass, and the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, said to them, Thus saith the Lord, I brought you up from the land of Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of all those who oppressed you. Do you know that that's what Jesus has done for us at the cross? He has already delivered you. He's already set you free. But notice what it says. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. In other words, I'm a jealous God. Everyone say jealous. That means God is not going to share you or your body with anyone else. God doesn't want you to give yourself to anything that will destroy you. Do you know why He died on the cross? He died to redeem you. That word redeem means to buy. He bought you. He has the title deed to your body. But He still gives you a will. And He says, you know what? I want to give you a will. I want to give you the right to worship me and have my blessing and strength upon you, or you can reject me and live under a curse. I don't want to live under a curse. I want the blessing all the time. on my. And notice what God says. 
He says, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. You have not obeyed my voice. And it was here, even though, what's so powerful, even though God says, you haven't obeyed my voice, they cried. Here's what happens. God raises a deliverer and He sends this guy by the name of Gideon who doesn't even have any confidence in himself. God uses a man. By the way, do you know God's going to use people that you would probably never even choose yourself? Sometimes, don't, don't get so smart on God where you think, you know, God, I know the kind of deliverer that I really want. I know the kind of pastor that I think that needs to lead me. Beware of that kind of thinking. God may actually send people in your life that you would have never chose. In fact, let me just give you a hint on looking for a church. Don't ever go to a church or find a man that you agree with. Or that you actually necessarily like. Because usually every man that God ever chose throughout history has always been rejected by the people God sent him to. Let me also say this. God is not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. God doesn't have a voting system. In fact, do you remember when God sent the 12 spies into the land? And those 12 spies, the Bible says God sent the 12 spies into the land to test Israel. What happened? Ten came back with an evil report. Only two said we're well able to go and possess them. And notice what it says. Those ten people persuaded the entire nation to reject God's man and reject the will of God for their life. Now my question to you is, who is right? The majority or the minority? So many of us are impressed, we're influenced, and we follow the crowd, and God's not necessarily into the crowd. We need to hear that still small voice. Amen? Now I'm going to get, my time is gone, but next week we're going to get into the life of Gideon, and we're going to look how this guy came out of hiding, and we're going to look how God transformed this man into a giant killer. We're going to see how he came into his own and how he made, God made him into a deliverer. Amen? I want you to bow your heads this morning. I believe God is calling us out of hiding. He's calling us into a place where we can walk in freedom and live in that place of fellowship and intimacy that He's always designed for us. I want you to know that there's nothing you've walked through that He doesn't know about. There's nothing you walk through that defines you. What defines you is what He says about you. And my Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe God has spoken to some of you like He spoke to Jeremiah. God came to Jeremiah one day and said, Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't speak. I can't talk. I am just a child. And God said to Jeremiah, says, do not say that you're a child. Do not diminish and limit what I can do through you with your own confession. I want your confession to line up with me. God is calling us, church, out of hiding. He's calling us to recognize the greatness He's placed in us. I am so excited about the future of this house. I really am. I, I just sense God's going to start working miracles. God's not all, he, He's already working miracles through some of you. Some of you have already stepped outside the box. You've already been walking in supernatural. You've been walking in places that, that, that have been amazing. I've got to say one thing. Yesterday, Bill, Bill Johnson was in my office and we were talking. And Bill said something at the end of our session I thought was interesting. I didn't recognize it, but he recognized it. We were done counseling or just talking. We were just talking. And Bill said, do you smell something? And, and I didn't at first, but then I started smelling it and there was this amazing aroma, this unbelievable aroma was in our room. And it was like just heaven came into our room in the office, and, and, and Bill, Bill recognized it. I didn't recognize it, but he said, do you smell it? Do you know that, that God manifests his presence by aroma? 
Sometimes there's manifestations like this. Folks, it's called heaven. God's bringing heaven. God is doing something in our lives. But what He wants to do, He wants us to recognize that we belong to Him. Shall we offer ourselves to Him wholly? Let's don't keep anything back from Him. Put you to bow your head. You may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I've allowed things and problems and issues in my past to define me, and I know God has something great for me. And I need to take that step of faith this morning. I want to come into that place of relationship and beauty. I want to experience that forgiveness. But I want, to ex- I-, I want the Lord to just open my heart and my mind to the dreams and the vision He has for me. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. I see your hand. God has a great plan for you, young man. God has his hand on you for great things. Anyone else? I just see God putting putting promises in some of you right now. And he's saying, I'm going to take you like he did David from being a sheep herder and bring you into the palace. God's going to bring you in. He's going to bring you out to bring you into something great. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, shall we?